Hey guys, my name is Penn Shelton. I'm a recovered alcoholic. <clears throat> Thank you for having me out. Thank you, Laura and Pez for having me come out and speak. Thank you for Nick for coming with me and opening up. It's always a pleasure to be able to speak at an AA meeting, but even more so to, to share that experience with a friend and a trudging buddy. Nick's been a good friend for a long time. <clears throat> also, happy birthday to Buzz. One year is amazing. And welcome to, I think it was Tara, I wanna say. Uh, it's welcome, you know, welcome to AA. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's weird, but you know what? You might find a home here. I certainly did. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, 40 minutes, 45 minutes is a good long share. I I've been sharing a lot lately. I think it has something to do with that. My, my sobriety dates, 521, 2011. So if you're good at math then you'll know about two, three weeks ago, I took a cake for 10 years and I have to say that it's incredibly surreal. I, I turned 23 in a detox facility and had a couple slips, but you know, within a couple of weeks of my natal birthday, I managed to find a grace experience and uh, get involved in the 12 step process and remain sober since that time. But I got, I really got, you know, hear people say that like, and my first time getting my first attempt at getting sober was at 17. Um, and things got much worse between 17, 18, my first experience with recovery and getting sober uh, for good at 23. Um, so I'm one of the I'm one of those like young initiates to the program and it didn't didn't take for a bit. And you know, I really grew up in AA like the the, the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, the, the fellowship and the people, the relationships that I've gained through this have absolutely taught me how to be a man, taught me how to be an adult, taught me how to be present and responsible not just in my life and my responsibilities, but in able to show up in the lives of other people, able to rebuild relationships with my family and friends that I had destroyed through my alcoholism and able to actually build a life much beyond what I had expected for myself because what I expected for myself was to be dead by the age of 25. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to, to do a reading uh, just to sort of like center my share, give me a little topic. Uh, I figured I got a long time to talk. Um, I've shared at a bunch of meetings this week. I've heard a bunch of fist steps this week. So I got to do an equal amount of talking and listening this week, but I'm really tired of hearing myself talk, but it's okay. I get, I really get into the groove of it. It's sort of my favorite thing at the same time. I'm just like, we have these multiple varied traits, right? But <clears throat> I'm going to read from page 25 from There is a Solution. I'm going to read a few paragraphs here that are really important to me. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you are seriously as alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, 
we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. <clears throat> there's so much there, but really just to break it down is that, you know what, there's a process outlined in this book that tells us exactly what we need to do to recover. There's a power greater than ourselves, which is the whole point of this process is getting in touch with this power, having a relationship with this power. You don't necessarily have to understand or be able to talk about what this power is, but I do need to be able to share with you that, that I found a relationship with something greater than myself. I'm going to just use the word God so that we're, you know, we know what we're talking about here, but uh, I'm not particularly religious, although I like studying religion and philosophy to help me expand my connection with my idea of God, but not a religious person. And you're not, you, AA is not religious, it's spiritual. This is a place where we come to connect, right? That like through alcohol and maybe other things, uh, you destroyed your life. I destroyed my life, right? Alcohol and drugs, I destroyed my life. And um, but I didn't, I wasn't doing it to destroy my life. I wasn't trying to destroy my life. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to feel okay. The goal was to connect that there was something inside me, this big gaping hole that I didn't know what it was. I didn't even realize it was a big gaping hole. And I just threw everything into it over and over again, trying to feel okay. I had this huge tight ball of razor wire in my chest and I just didn't know how to get it out. I didn't know how to unwind it. You know, I was just always trying to numb some pain. Um, and it didn't start that way. It was just about having fun at first. The, the, the doctor's opinion says alcoholics drink essentially because we like the effect produced by alcohol. And I just like to feel good. I like to get drunk. Um, and if you're as seriously as alcoholic as we were, right, that once we sort of cross this line, there's an idea in Alcoholics Anonymous that this program is designed specifically for people who are beyond human aid, that the three pertinent ideas talk about that no human power could relieve my alcoholism and that I needed to find a power greater than myself or else. Um, or I could just go on to the bitter end trying to blot out my consciousness. And the funny thing about the 12 step process is it's about getting deeper and deeper into consciousness. It's about developing a consciousness, a consciousness of living, a consciousness of a meaning and purpose in my life greater than anything I thought I could be connected with before. Um, I was living such a hopeless, meaningless life before. You know? And so, yeah, I've got 10 years sober, um, got sober young. <clears throat> it's wild. You know, it's like, I don't know where to go. It's like Nick kind of talked about like 10 minutes isn't enough to get started. Like 45 minutes is kind of like too much. It's like, where do I begin? Do I tell my whole story? But when I try to tell my story, I get lost in the details. And then I don't get to the point about like getting recovered. I just tell a lot of like stories. And I talk about recovery, but I might not get to the steps. I, I spoke at a, another fellowship on Thursday, also in Laguna. So I hope there's not too many people here who heard me share on Thursday. It was a pretty big meeting. But you know, that meeting, I kind of gave a long first step share. I talked for 45 minutes about what it was like and, and how I got to that point where I had my pertinent a, a, B and, idea, A, B, and C experience. I came to understand how alcoholism had me. I came to understand the necessity of a spiritual experience for someone in my condition. I came to understand what it meant to have alcoholism. Um, when I was 23 years old, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, humbled and ready to recover, but I didn't know that I was an alcoholic. I didn't know if I was an alcoholic. Uh, like I said, I, I had experiences at 17. This was in a different fellowship because I refused to identify as an alcoholic at age 17. I was always looking at external things to determine whether or not I was suffering from something. Right? What I mean by that is I, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic because I just was a 17-year-old getting drunk with his friends. I wasn't 
drinking out of a paper bag, sleeping on the sidewalk. You know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have DUIs or arrests or anything like that to show for my drinking. So I didn't think that made me, an, I thought that made me not an alcoholic. I thought alcoholics were people that had great consequences from drinking. And I later learned that there was other criteria that I didn't know about uh, the condition that con made me drink even when I didn't want to. And I'll, I'll also share that drugs are a big part of my story. And I'm going to talk about my drug addiction because for me, I, I have a huge profound respect for Alcoholics Anonymous and all the principles. You know, I've, I've served as a GSR for many years in general service and been involved in other parts of the service structure and, and had a great experience being of service to this fellowship. I have a profound respect for the singleness of purpose of AA and the, the message of helping alcoholics and the, the recovery from alcoholism. But I use drugs and I and I, part of my I don't say it just to be defiant, but I, I'm here to talk about my personal experience, right? That I used to think uh, after having a profound experience working through the, the big book and, and understanding what the message was about, that I had to kind of come in here and be a walking weaponized big book, like letting people know that they were doing AA wrong and letting people know how to really work a program and letting people know what it really is like to have a relationship with God. And I think I didn't understand for a long time that that probably put more people off from AA than helped them. It maybe uh, was an attraction or like an intoxication that I could share with other people that had ego built up around their AA program and experience, but I didn't understand that there was a, a, a supposed to be a humility behind that. Um, and that really the, the depth and weight of the message that I can carry is my personal experience. I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to help everybody, but my experience will help some people. My experience is that I came to Alcoholics Anonymous as a very young man, 23 years old, um, fresh out of detox, knowing I was a hopeless drug addict, that cocaine and heroin had destroyed my life and humbled me and brought me to my knees, that I could never use them again, or it would be my death. And, um, you know, I was open to the idea that I might be an alcoholic. Um, you know, I was open to the idea that that was potentially my truth. I just didn't know what it meant. Turns out I am an alcoholic and I'm not just an alcoholic because I have drug addiction that stuff and but they meet the criteria of the big book description of alcoholism with the phenomenon of craving and the obsession of the mind that's characteristic of the progressive illness, the loss of control, the spiritual malady which fuels these things which fuels my behaviors, which continues to seek me to check out and seek to treat my spirit right that I, I thought that powerlessness powerlessness I'm clear is is what shape my alcoholism takes in my life that I, when I drink, when I use drugs, I lose control. They have a phenomenon of craving that starts a cascade effect in my brain. I could tell you kind of what's going on in there, but really what happens is when I take one, I have a craving reaction that I need more. Um, and I don't know how much I'm going to do. And I don't know how much, when I'm going to stop, but I know that like when I put one in the body, something happens in both the bodily and mental sense where I lose control. I also have a condition of mind where when I finally get to the point of wanting to be sober, of wanting to be clean, whatever that looks like, that I'm not able to stay stopped, that some delusion inevitably works its way back into my mind that tells me that I can pick up again just for tonight and then I'll stop forever. Or this time I'll be able to control it, even though hundreds of times in my experience show me that I can't control my drinking, I can't control my drug use. And that it will inevitably lead me back to another bottom, another burned relationship, another lost job, another lost place to live, that I have dozens, hundreds of these experiences to show me 
But there's, again, something wrong in my alcoholic mind that is not able to examine this evidence, this clear, glaring, obvious evidence that I have a problem and that I can't control this thing, no matter what it is for me. And uh, <clears throat> it just always gets me. It always gets me back. And so I, I, I was in this cycle for a long time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a little bit and, and, and actually tell some of my story since I have another half hour or so, 25 minutes. But but yeah, I just want to get clear a couple things, right? You know, if, if, I, if I get lost in the sauce, I want to just reiterate, there's a program of recovery that works. You know what I mean? There, it's outlined in this process and we, we help each other here. This is a, this is a program of, of helping others to recover by helping others, uh, helping our, we, we recover by helping others that like the, the, the working with others is the central piece of this, that steps one through 11 is designed to get us unblocked and reconnected with something greater than ourselves. And the rest of it is about helping people. It's all about helping people. And some people say you have to give it away to keep it. And I also think you have to give it away to get it right. That you, you won't really experience the full effect of this process, right? It talks about the, the, the constant, the, the successful consummation. And, and also it says process requires, right. That there's some requirements of work to get these promises, to get these results. But results are promised. Nick talked about permanent recovery. I believe I am eligible for permanent recovery if I'm willing to do the work of recovery. If I'm willing to trust a power greater than myself, if I've made a self-diagnosis and I understand what I suffer from, that I have a, a, an illness which only a spiritual experience can conquer, if I make the effort to understand how self-will and ego has, has bruised and beaten me and, and never ever worked in my favor, even though I like to think it does, um, and I've taken inventory and I've gotten clear on my fault, the falsehoods of my character and, and, and how I've used every wound I've ever received in my life to create a victim story that I think I'll be able to take to success somehow. I made amends to all the people I hurt. I continue to try to grow my relationship and I spend as much of my time as I'm capable of giving away and helping others. I'm guaranteed a transformation. I'm absolutely guaranteed a transformation. And I can tell you at the top of this that it's absolutely happened for me. I don't want to spend too much time in my story since I, I gave a great first step talk the other day. I want to actually talk more about what my experience was like after getting sober and actually having a spiritual experience. But I want to take a few minutes to preface that by like how I got to the ABC. In chapter five, most meetings, we read chapter five and it ends at this reading. Uh, the three pertinent ideas that A, I was alcoholic and my life was unmanageable. B, that probably no human power could relieve my alcoholism. And C, that God couldn't would if he were sought, right? I think there's essentially two groups of people to carry a message to an Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that there's the newcomer that hasn't had the spiritual experience yet, that doesn't know that freedom is possible, that the, the intense suffering brought about both by the bondage of self, by my ego, by my hangups, and the shackles of addiction and, and alcoholism, which constantly bombard my mind and wear me down until I can't refuse a drink or can't refuse a drug, that there's a way to live that you don't have to feel that anymore, that there's a recovery that's possible where there, you can be beyond that. You know what I mean? Like that's one message that this process can get you there. The other message is for a group of people that maybe already did, have been in AA a long time and haven't ha like are sober a while, but haven't had the spiritual experience and are suffering. Or if you're like me, you had a profound spiritual experience, 
and you're human and you don't work a perfect program. And sometimes you don't do 10 and 11 for a few days and you find yourself emotionally unwell. And you find that maybe for months you haven't written any inventory and you find that you're really angry about things. And you find that you're constantly at the bombardment of insecurity, worried about how things are going at work, worried about your money, worried about your relationships, worried that your friends are judging you or making fun of you. Somebody laughs in the room and they're talking about me. I can get paranoid and delusional sober. I can get really spiritually sick quickly, right? The fifth step promises that I'll be able to look the world in the eye. I'll be able to be alone at perfect peace and ease, that my fears will fall from me, that I'll feel the nearness of my creator. And the 10th step tells me that I'm going to feel selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful, that that's going to crop up probably every day, that if I don't maintain my spiritual condition, that I'll lose that daily reprieve from alcohol and drugs or from alcoholism, that not only will I inevitably pick up again, but I'm going to go crazy first, right? Because I, ha I have to be susceptible to the insanity of alcoholism if I'm going to pick up a drink again, because I can say today that I have the clear self-knowledge of how much one drink, even one beer, as Bill says, can destroy my entire life. I don't know how long. It might be a couple of weeks if I'm lucky. It might be, but yeah, probably less than that. Um, and that if you're like me and you've been sober a while and you've had a spiritual experience or two or five or 10 over whatever period of time and you're disconnected, that the recovery experience is found through the same exact process that got me free in the first place, that the 12-step process, no matter how much time I have, no matter how spiritual I think I am, will always bring me back to God, bring me back to authenticity, bring me back to humility, and that it's always the same thing. I've, had, I've been fortunate enough to experience a lot of different schools of thought and spirituality. I've gotten into a lot of different outside AA stuff, and the 11th step actually encourages that, right? I heard it said AA is spiritual kindergarten, right? And that, that there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, advanced studies that one can do. A lot of people come to AA and then like go become religious or something, right? And that's amazing. I think that's great. Whatever your spirit calls you to do at some point to find your truth, to find your most authentic way of being in the world, chase that shit. That's amazing. That's beautiful. I love that for anyone, whatever that looks like for you. Um, like I said, I'm not particularly religious, but I like to study all religion, all philosophy. I think everything has a kernel of truth. Everything can help me think a little bit more about how there's a power in this world seemingly at work, seemingly connecting things that a mighty rhythm and purpose does underlay all, that my experience shows me that at least for me that this is true, that I can't deny, I can't call it consequence. I can't look at these little things that we call God shots, these little cons, uh, these little coincidences rather these little run-ins with people at the weirdest places um you know there's there's just a million different ways that these little god shots come up in life but i can't deny that there's something at work that i can't explain um and and that's just in the the goings about the daily routine i can't i can't even begin to tell you how many incredible spiritual experiences i've had taking third steps hearing third steps reading inventory making amends and working with others like it's hard to articulate a spiritual experience. It's something that has to be experienced. It can hardly be shared by word of mouth. I can tell you about the process to have one and I'll, I'll do my best to do that. So that's the people that that's the message of AA is that there's re recovery is possible, right? Um, 
And, you know, the spiritual experience piece, a lot of people feel like AA is indoctrinating and like that's like, well, why does it always have to be about God? And, and really what it comes down to is like, it's a matter of necessity that we're not a religious organization. We're an organization full of people that nothing else in the world helped. And at least I'll speak for myself and I'll speak for the founders because I relate to the first hundred men and women, the anonymous legacy that I, I came about to having a spiritual experience through the 12 steps and Alcoholics Anonymous last by process of elimination, it was the last thing I did. It was the last thing I would do. And I did everything else until I had nothing left and I was hopeless and dying. And that little part of me wanted to live. That little part of me believed maybe there was hope. And I, and as a last resort, found a sponsor who would take me through the 12 steps and had a life-changing spiritual experience that has only gotten my life better and better for the last 10 years. Um, so that A, B, and C experience, that, that, that idea that for me to get into the 12 steps and talk to you about my different experiences and different stages of this process, I have to be really clear about my first step. I have to be really clear about what powerlessness looked like, what surrender looked like, how I came to that. And like I said, it didn't come from alcohol, but I did get to go through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous with another alcoholic and look at the way that I drank and the way that alcohol affected me and realize that the way that I drank and the, and the way that I drank more than I wanted to and when I didn't want to makes me an alcoholic. That there was a phenomenon of craving when I drank. And just because I was able as a five foot four guy to handle my liquor better than guys who are six feet and over, maybe that does, I don't know if that does or doesn't make me an alcoholic, but I looked at it like I wasn't because I wasn't sloppy. I thought I was a better drinker than everybody. I was a better drunk driver than everybody. I was better at drinking than you Therefore, I wasn't an alcoholic. Um, I didn't get consequences from my drinking. I didn't get consequences. When it came to drugs, man, it took everything from me. Um, alcohol gave me confidence, allowed me, allowed me to be funnier and louder and, 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 and took away my social anxiety. It treated my spirit and my insecurities in ways that nothing else ever did. Even drugs. Drugs just made me weird and crazy. Like Drugs really fucked me up. Alcohol made me like completed me in some way. It was like a missing piece that did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. Um, and I came to find Alcoholics Anonymous. There's, there's another power greater than myself that makes me complete and makes me more myself. Um, alcohol was a limited resource. It ran out of its effectiveness and so did drugs. But with drugs, I got arrested. I lost jobs. I lost my money. I got robbed. I lost my hustle. I couldn't even sell drugs as good anymore because of drugs. Um, drugs took everything from me, even drugs, you know, but um, so I looked at those outside consequences of losing everything because of cocaine and heroin and, and, real, and, and knew I couldn't do it ever again. I, I, I was eventually after four years, really, it was two years. I'm just going to be honest, right? I did from, from like 19 on, I did cocaine. And then from 19 to 23, I was strung out on heroin. I had my first first step experience on cocaine about six, seven months. No, it was like nine months or 10 months into my, my cocaine. It went from this like really sexy, fun, exciting thing that I did for a few months, like concerts, selling, like th there's a certain amount of like ego and, and, and I don't know, like pompousness and, 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 and sexiness that comes with cocaine at first. And it gets real ugly and all that shit goes out the window real quick. But at the end, I really like saw like I had my first first step experience where I wanted to stop because I saw and it wasn't it. I lost all my friends. I got kicked out of the fraternity where I had most of my customers. I, I got and also all of my friends. I got kicked out of 
basically every social group because I had become such a junkie about it. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, I got distracted. ADHD, outside issue, but real. <laughs> it got to the point where my health was so bad that I was worried about myself. It was never the social, it was never the loss of social circles. It was never the external consequences. It wasn't even spending nights and nights in fear that cops were gonna kick in my door when that clearly was not gonna happen, but really, really like believed it was about to happen for a long time. That'll do a number on your mind. <clears throat> my bathroom never been cleaner though, I'll say that. But I looked at, <laughs> when I finally wanted to stop, I couldn't. And, I, and this is like what Bill talks about in Bill's story when he spent years trying to control his drinking. And then he finally gets to the point where he's like shocked after years of being unable to manage his drinking. He goes, I woke up, I saw this had to be stopped. I could not have so much as one beer. That's the part, that's a partial first step, right? Because that's when, that signifies the point in our drinking or, or whatever that we get to the point where we go, okay, you know what? Maybe I can't manage it. I'll just stop. And, I, and at the point where I say, I've been saying to myself for years, when I want to stop, that's when I'll be able to, when I want to stop for myself. And I've been telling people I would stop soon for a long time, but it was really always just to get people off my back. It wasn't that, I didn't mean it. I never meant it. I just wanted you to shut the fuck up and let me do what I wanted to do. It was never about really trying to stop or meaning it. But Bill says, I, I woke up, I saw, I made lots of sweet promises before then, but this time I meant it. And so I did, right? And I, I meant it. And so I did. And that, at that point where you get to that shift where you say, when, I'll, when I want to stop, then I'll stop. And then you get to the point when you actually want to stop. That's when you find out whether or not you can. That's when you find out whether or not this is actually bigger than you. Whether it's whether it's alcohol or anything else, right? And so, and I never got to that with alcohol, right? I never I never got to the point where I wanted not to drink. I drank all the way up until I got sober um, for drugs, and then I stopped drinking so that I could take a look at maybe that's a part of this thing too. I never understood, and also being sober to me before actually getting sober this time just meant just not doing coke or heroin. Didn't matter how much I drank, how much pot I smoked, how many pills I did, as long as I wasn't doing coke or heroin, I was sober. As far as I knew, I didn't know any better. But obviously I know now that that's, that's not even California sober, <clears throat> but little, little joke. But so I, from that point with cocaine, where I saw that I, I wanted to stop and I couldn't, I was truly scared. I was truly worried about my sanity. Um, and I found that heroin was a great relief to my cocaine addiction. Um, I made the switch to opiates and I went real hard and, and it was a lot softer on me. It, it was a much slower burn than cocaine. And I spent two years strung out enjoying it. And at, at some point it got to the point where as I started to slowly lose everything to my disease, I got to the point where I also wanted to stop doing that. And Bill says of his time trying to just stop and stay stopped and failing to be able to stay away, the mind and the body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony for two more years. The agony of falling victim to the mental obsession of alcoholism and picking up again when you think you're not going to when you don't want to. It doesn't matter the external consequences. It doesn't matter what I want, what I need. I'm acting against my own will at this point. It's clearly bigger than me. I spent two years trying to kick on my own and I finally got to the point 
where I had another partial first step where I admitted that I couldn't get myself sober. So I was willing then to check into treatment. It was at this point, I was just about to turn 23. Um, I turned 23 in detox, came out of detox and checked into uh, treatment. I was waiting for a residential bed, but I was living in sober living, but I was going to treatment every day and I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous every day. Uh, I first got clean at, at 17 in another fellowship from alcohol and marijuana when I was 17 at my uncle's enforcement, right? It wasn't really a choice. I, I, was, I was given an option to, uh, to move in with them and get away from my insane drug addict mom and my rage dad, um, which I happily accepted. I happily accepted the yoke of sobriety to get away from my family, which at the time I thought was the source of all my problems. Uh, I later learned in inventory that I'm the source of all my problems, but I wasn't ready to hear that. I wasn't ready to say I was an alcoholic and I wasn't ready to stay sober either for that matter. As soon as I moved out of my uncle's house, I got a fake ID from the DMV and a cannabis card and I was off and going. And that's what took me to 23, everything else I just described. I want to get sober real quick. I have some time to actually talk about what this process can be like. So I came to AA meetings and I, and I got a temporary sponsor and I did everything that was asked of me. I was going to, going to treatment, going to groups, got us, I got a, a therapist, a counselor, a drug and alcohol counselor, a spiritual advisor. I was in like a, a, a faith-based rehab. Nick mentioned it. It doesn't matter. So I got all these things, right? I, I had a, I had, I'll just say I had a therapist, a counselor and a rabbi. <laughs> so, and I'd had all of those things in the past and a psychiatrist still didn't do it for me. I came to AA. I was totally willing to be totally sober. I said, at least for a year, let me work the steps and stay sober a year. And then I'll reevaluate whether I can drink weed, uh, drink and smoke weed successfully manageable, but I was totally willing to really be sober. And I was open to the possibility that I couldn't, right. I, I just knew like, Heroin and cocaine would kill me if I ever got close to that. And if I drank now, I would go back to that. It was too soon. I needed some real time to figure things out. And I came to AA willing to do anything to be sober. And I, I meant completely sober. I didn't know what alcoholic was, as I described it earlier in my talk, but I didn't know it at the time. But I raised my hand and said, I'm an alcoholic, even though I didn't know what it meant. And I took chips and I got phone numbers and I got commitments and I got a home group and I called my sponsor every day and I called three to five other alcoholics every day. And I cleaned up the Marina center after the meeting and I set up chairs and broke down chairs and I mopped floors and uh, I greeted people and I made gratitude lists. And every time I wanted to drink or get high, I just play the tape forward. Excuse me. And I'll tell you what happened. I got loaded again. What I found out was that all that stuff for me was not enough to stay sober, that that was the human power side of Alcoholics Anonymous, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous is a beautiful thing. I love Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. AA raised me. I grew up in AA. 90% of my friends are all in the program. And I get along better with people who, who work a spiritual program than people who don't. That's just a fact. Um, and... I love Alcoholics Anonymous. My sponsor had this one thing that his sponsor told him, which I think was totally arbitrary and based on nothing. And it was, you gotta have 14 days sober before we work the first step. So I did, and I just said, okay, I didn't know any better. I didn't know there wasn't, there was another way to do it. I didn't know there was a day one, step one program in AA. Um, and I didn't know that I needed it, but I found out because guess what? I can't get 14 days sober 
without a spiritual program. I can't even get 10. Um, I, I can white knuckle it for about nine days. I can talk to everybody. I can try to pray. I can try to meditate. I can try to force gratitude out of my mouth. It doesn't work for me. I don't stay sober like that. I am miserable. I was more miserable those two sets of nine days sober with no spiritual program and no God than I ever was at my lowest bottom drinking and using, right? I want that to be heard. That maybe being an alcoholic is something to do with, I think when I take away the alcohol and drugs, then the problem will be gone. But I take those things away and everything's so much worse. That everything's so much more unmanageable. Oh, maybe that's what unmanageable means. Maybe it's not the consequences that come from my drinking and, and using drugs. Maybe it's actually the internal condition of my spirit and emotions that I cannot manage. I cannot manage me. Never mind you. And the only thing that ever worked was alcohol and drugs until they stopped working and they stopped working. And I'll tell you this too. If, if the relief never stopped coming, I wouldn't have gotten sober. I would have literally died just being able to have a little bit of control of how I felt in this moment and potentially the next moment. I gave everything away. I think alcoholism is the highest form of selfishness because in, in alcoholic full alcoholism, I will trade everything just to be able to control how I feel in this moment. And at the end, what happened for me, my, my earth shattering pertinent idea, idea B experience was that the second time after I relapsed twice out of detox and the second time I went out, I shot up and I felt that much relief and then nothing. And I turned to my friend and said, I think we got bad dope. And he was nodding off from it and said, I think it's just fine, man. And so I said, I guess I better, I didn't do enough. I did the rest of what I had and I felt nothing. And in that moment, some little voice in my head said to me, it's gone. It's gone forever. You're never going to feel that relief again. You're never going to feel good from it again. And I just knew that to be true. I just knew, and not everybody gets sober having had this experience. And I had to have this experience before I would come crawling back to a spiritual effort. But I, I had to know that, that there wasn't any hope in, in addiction or in alcoholism for me. I had to know that there would be no more relief there for me. And I experienced it. I watched it like a candle flickering out and being gone for good. Um, and in that moment, I thought to myself, I'm fucked. I'm going to chase a feeling. I'm going to die in my car chasing a feeling I can never have again. And I thought back through it and I thought, man, I wish I were dead, man. I wish there was something I could do about this. I really gave AA a real shot this time. Didn't I, I did everything and it didn't work. And then another, that little voice spoke up and said, well, you didn't do the 12 steps. And I thought, oh yeah, there's one thing I didn't try in AA. I did everything in AA except the one thing you're supposed to do in AA is work the 12 steps. And it wasn't for lack of trying on my part. I would have worked the steps right away if that sponsor had instructed me to. And I was resentful for two years because I thought that that sponsor and his sponsor and their arbitrary rule almost killed me. But it was the greatest gift they ever could have given me. And they didn't even know it because it showed me just how powerless I am. And beyond that, just how beyond human aid I was. That there was nothing short of a spiritual experience which could come close to helping me. And even then, I didn't know if it would. But in that moment, I said to myself, I'm going to do everything I can to have this spiritual experience. I'm going to work the steps completely and as thoroughly as I can. I'm going to stay sober long enough to do that. And I could better do it quick because I don't know how long I can stay sober, but I'm, I'm going to work the steps. 
and see if it helps. And I know at the end of that, if there's not relief at the end of that road, that there's no other road to walk, I can go get loaded till it kills me or I can kill myself. And I would have accepted that, but not until I had tried everything. And I swear this was the last thing that I hadn't tried. And there was still that little piece of me, which again, I can't give you from a good AA talk. You got to just have it. Some little part of you wants, has to want to live. Some little part of you has to want to be free. All I can tell you is that that little piece of you that has hope, let it know there is hope. There is a way out. So I went back and I got a new sponsor because that guy was like, I don't know. Let's try to get to 14 days. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, man, I know that doesn't work for me. Thank you for all your help. You're a great guy. I got to figure something else out. I've got what till 8.55. Thank you. Um, So great. Thanks. So I got a different sponsor and I heard this guy speak and, and he sounded a lot like me. And I told him, Hey man, I heard you talk the other night. I said, I relate to your story. Can we work the steps? And he was like, yeah, sure. He had like 20 years and talked about the steps when, when he talked. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I got to work the steps now. I got to work the first step today. I can't stay sober long enough to wait. What do we do? Like, can we please work the step? He was like, dude, yes. Here's how you do the first step. And he talked me through a first step. My first time, my first sponsor took me through the 12 and 12 and a lot of verbal and written assignments. It's not out of the big book and it's not how I sponsor people today. But I'll tell you what, I had an experience of grace in the seeking of God, in the seeking of recovery, in the, in the seeking of a recovery experience. I did everything that was asked of me and everything I could do. I started reading the big book in the 12 and 12. I started reading other AA literature. I went to as many meetings as I could. And I did everything that sponsor told me to do. And we worked the first three steps in my first three weeks. I got a little momentum and I felt like, you know what? I actually, I, I didn't not, I thought about getting loaded every day, but it didn't have as much hold of me. It didn't feel the same as it did before. I had this grace come over me, this protection that started to surround me. It did, I wasn't totally free of the obsession, but it wasn't strong enough to dominate me when I was seeking a power greater than myself. I took a third step, which to me looked like memorizing and reciting a prayer. I took a fourth step, which looked like rewriting a bunch of stuff I had spent years talking about in therapy. I, re- I, I read it with him and it was cool. It was like a long talk, right? And what I'm saying is I didn't have a profound experience my first time going through the first few steps. Um, I was clear what I suffered from. I had a powerful first step experience that drove me with hunger through the process. When I started making amends, Guys, everything changed. I had a spiritual experience in the amends process that transformed me. I went to everybody in my life who I hurt and I honestly approached them and took ownership of the harms and horrible things I had done. The people that I had, the the children of parents that I had gotten started on drugs, the the robberies I had committed, the, 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 the crappy junkie behavior that you commit against your closest friends when you're in the throes of addiction and alcoholism. I faced all these people. Now I didn't do my criminal or my financial amends until my second round going through the steps. But I'll tell you this, I I really earnestly approached all of my personal amends. Everybody that I hurt, all the friends I had let down, all my family and all my friends and their parents. And I I, like two days a week would drive to the Valley from the West side of Los Angeles and, and go meet these people. I would make appointments and sit down and have honest conversations. And I felt everything change inside of me. The big book talks about at a certain point, 
doctor describing the spiritual experience, Carl Jung, uh, of emotional upheavals and rearrangements. I felt myself having emotional rearrangements and upheavals. I couldn't really describe to you what it felt like, but I know I walked into a room of five of my best friends using heroin in front of me with money in my hand to make financial amends to them. And they turned me away without taking my money. That's probably the bigger miracle actually. But I also didn't even think about drinking, smoking weed or using heroin with them, which was all on the table and the whole time. I, walk, I drove out and I, I don't know at what point in this process the obsession was lifted, but this is the point that I knew it had been. I was driving back up through the valley and we talk about, they talk about triggers. What is that? I can't read that. What is that? Three minutes? Five. Great. Um, and I, in this moment, I, every, in rehab, they tell you, watch out for triggers, right? Well, every time I drove through the valley, the San Fernando Valley, Every intersection, every major, inter I got loaded out there for eight years, every major inner seven years, every major intersection, I bought drugs, sold drugs or used drugs. There was some kind of drug experience there. Yeah, for sure. Oxygen. Um, but every time I drove through, I had these memories that assaulted me. They didn't necessarily make me want to get loaded, but these memories were bombarding me like trauma, like flashbacks. And I drove all the way through from the north side of the valley back over the 405 going over the hill to the west side. And I looked back in my rearview mirror and I saw the sun setting over the valley. And I realized that I had driven all the way through and I hadn't thought about it once. Not one memory, not one trigger. <laughs> Have a spiritual experience as a result of the 12 steps. That's how. Um, <clears throat> and I realized in that moment the obsession was lifted and I noticed that it's never come back ever since. Um, that pushing through that. Right. So I, I, I went through 10 and 11 as quick as I could. My sponsor was actually telling me, maybe you need to slow down. And I said, no, I, I, I don't have time to wait. I need this thing. And I, at about four and a half months sober, I completed quote unquote, the steps my first time through, and I was ready to raise my hand and sponsor people. Well, I'll tell you what, when you have four and a half months of an ex, uh, sobriety and you've had a spiritual experience, but you don't know well how to articulate much about it. Not a lot of people are rushing to you to take them through the work. And I didn't have that much to offer. I heard a guy share about going through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous line by line as the original hundred men and women did and intended it to be done and having an experience through the process, right? As outlined, original message. And this guy was so on fire, had so much joie de vie and like energy for life and was so passionate. And I wanted what he had. I wanted that energy. But more than anything, I thought this guy knows a lot about the book. Maybe if I ask him to sponsor me, I can be a better sponsor. Maybe I'll be able to be more useful to more people and help other alcoholics get sober. And when I went through the book line by line from five months sober until we finished going through the book at about 14 months sober, I had so many spiritual experiences. I don't even know where to begin. I had a first step experience where I actually understood what alcoholism was and that I was a real alcoholic, not just a drug addict with alcoholism. I realized I did have the phenomenon of craving for alcohol. I realized I did have the obsession to, to drink. I just didn't experience the external consequences and I was looking at it all wrong. I understood the spiritual malady and what I suffered from. I understood the necessity of a spiritual experience and was finally able to put to words what I had suffered from as long as I could remember and finally understood what was happening to me in this experience I was having through the work. Um, I had, I took a third step where I said the third step prayer. I stood on the end of the Washington pier in Venice beach. And I, you know, I had two big fears, fear of heights and fear of deep water. And I, and I said 
the third step prayer. And then I openly just prayed from the heart. I don't even remember what I said. It was nine years ago, but I prayed from the heart. I spoke to God at looking out into the horizon, imagining the infinite God and the finite self that was so limited and just trying to connect with that infinite, just trying to understand where I could fit my little puzzle piece into this great framework that exists everywhere and every moment. And I jumped off the pier and I was underwater and I had the most profound sense of being at perfect peace and ease, the most profound sense of being safe and protected and capable and that I was going to be okay. And that even after five months of being in AA and being on fire for recovery, this was the first time I felt that other than the, in the amends process, when I felt my, my heart moving around like a Rubik's cube, um, this was the first profound spiritual experience I had. I call it a light, light experience. Something happened. And I wrote inventory and I learned how to bring prayer into the inventory process so that it wasn't a psychological exercise, but a spiritual experience. And in bringing prayer into these resentments and fears and insecurities that I had walked through my whole life with dominated by, I saw truth. I saw all the falsehood created by my ego and I was able to cast it aside and say, this is truth. Or just throw that away and say, let me figure out what truth is without all these fake stories, guys, like running my life. I was able to realize Character defects are just an extension of my ego. Character defects are just the way that self-reliance manifests in my conduct and my relationships. It's how I cause harm. Um, it's how self tries to thrash around, keeping me from being hurt in this world. And, you know, I was able to ask God to come into every area of my life. Thank you. I saw in the third step that it was, that alcoholism was, a, was what I suffer from, but my drinking and use was a symptom of my character. And that I couldn't re recover from my addiction without the help of a higher power. I also couldn't change my character without the help of a higher power. I couldn't overcome my resentments and fears. I couldn't conquer my character defects unless I had access to a power greater than myself. And this process gave me access to that very thing and allowed me to get free in a way that nothing else has ever been for me. Um, I made amends. I, I realized that I was sicker than others. Not that my story is worse or my bottom any lower, but that for me, when I'm not practicing spiritual principles, I get very mentally ill and emotionally sick very seriously quickly at a very accelerated pace. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm one of the sick ones. They call it the summer club. Some are sicker than others. Um, and for me, that when I'm not practicing these principles, I get very ill, right? That I need to maintain my spiritual condition by monitoring and asking God to come in and, and keep my ego and keep my emotions and keep my character defects in check so that I can be useful to others. And it's all about making me available to be useful to others. That the last thing I ever would have expected intuitively or, or in, my, in my rational mind either was that by the best way to get my needs met would be to not try to meet my needs at all, but help other people meet theirs, to help other suffering alcoholics recover from their illness. And that in that place, I would find freedom from self and all my needs met in a way that I could never imagine. And I can't even really explain to you why that works, but I know that it does, right? That I know that the ultimate freedom comes in selflessness. And, and I've just found that that's worked for me, that this process, as I earlier described, when I get spiritually sick, I go back to basics. I do four through 11 and I find someone to help. And that in every problem, when it says spiritual principles would be the solution to all my problems, that that's the most profound discovery. And it's absolutely true. So if you're in this program and you're new and you haven't figured out how to stay sober and how to get free from your alcoholism, 
um, or if you've been sober a while and you've kind of gotten away from it or you've never had an experience through the process the way that I described it, I'd be more than happy to help you, but it doesn't have to be me. I would love it if it was, but really this is about one alcoholic helping another and just find somebody that clearly knows what they're talking about, has clearly found the solution. If you can re relate to them a little bit, that helps a lot in buying into what they're trying to tell you. I never believed that people in AA actually wanted to help. Um, and I know today that all I care about is just trying to help one other person have a better day and get free. And that that's, it gives me the greatest gift I can ever have. And if it sounds like bullshit and you don't know what I'm talking about, I can promise you, you have to experience it to understand. Can't be transmitted by word of mouth. It's an experience you must not have and you must not miss. Thanks for having me out tonight.